the theme for this evening's talk is right action. It is possibly and uh, hopefully come all too clear to us the degree that our life, our daily life, is engaged and involved in uh, various forms of activity. And it seems so often when we are not doing something that we are thinking about what we have been doing and what we should be doing. So there seems to be a relentless uh, situation in, in life in which we're compelled to go from one thing to another. We don't like to admit it, we call it choice. But we're compelled to go from one thing to another, one activity to another. We keep telling ourselves that we need breathing space from it. We stop, we step back, we go to the countryside, we go on a retreat or whatever it might be. And therefore remove ourselves from the obvious tangible world of doing, 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 only to find that our uh, mind is rather like one of these old car engines on a long hot summer's day, that in the moment of uh, switching it off, it just carries on juddering away. And today you've been experiencing it. So sometimes there's this doing, doing, doing. The mind can't stop. It keeps on manufacturing and it gets preoccupied with what I was doing or what I should be doing or what I will be doing or what I might be doing. And it's a, a fixation, we could call it that. We're ensnared and entrapped in uh, all of this. When we stop and look at action, various forms of uh, action that we are, uh, are engaged in, well, we could say that it actually comes down to about uh, four primary uh, uh, areas. And it's worthwhile giving care and attention uh, to each one to examine our relationship uh, with each one and what that means for us in, in daily life circumstances in these situations here. And the f most obvious form of uh, activity is going, in fact, from uh, A to B. And it's a consistent activity. It's something that you and I know from one day to the next. And then with it, of course, what goes along with it is the, the, the form of the activity. In other words, what is taking us from uh, A to B. And sometimes in the world of meditation and in the world of uh, 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 Dharma, there is a reluctance sometimes to really address, though one hears the mantra of uh, daily life issues, but to really address this relationship of the mode of being, of going from uh, A to B. And rather appropriately, I can hear something out there up in the sky, now, which I'm just going to refer to, the, uh, uh, the aeroplane. And just uh, recently, um, in a more um, form which is a bit closer together than usual, I've, uh, uh, can't say I've been on the road, I've been in the air, and uh, in December, the, after 
making a personal retreat in uh, Saranath for a week or eight days. This is the place in uh, India where the Buddha began giving his teachings. I went from there to uh, Budgaya on uh, December 25th and spent the next uh, five weeks there, Shadra and I, and other Dharma teachers teaching in the, the village of Budgaya. This is the village of the place of the Buddha's uh, enlightenment. And then from there I was back for most of February in um, uh, Saranath, giving uh, uh, teachings and other activities going on there. And from there, back to uh, England, of course, uh, um, aeroplane, then from there to Australia, from Australia to New Zealand, and from New Zealand to San Francisco, from San Francisco to Boston, uh, and to here. And every time, I don't know about you, but every time one looks up at the sky, and one feels a little bit of concern about this form of uh, transport and that long winding trail of pollution that runs behind uh, uh, every aeroplane uh, and all that goes along uh, with it. And one has to say to oneself, even though one might be a little bit inspired about uh, the Buddha's remark, go and uh, teach the Dharma, which is beautiful in the beginning, beautiful in the middle and beautiful in the end. He didn't exactly go and... uh, teach it by in a 747, but one takes the f- form, there's the action that is taking place. Then one looks what is, and gives attention to what is the intention of the mind. And the intention of the mind is, of course, to make some uh, contribution to uh, establishing on this utterly mad earth some uh, dharma uh, for wisdom and clarity and towards resolving the degree of suffering that exists all over this or planet. Yet, one is contributing, this is the point I'm trying to make in going from A to B. One is actually contributing to the pollution, one is contributing to the problems and contributing to the ill health of people. So one has to weigh it up. And in that weighing, uh, weighing of it up, it only can be justified, and it isn't easy, but the only way it can be justified from a person in my position is supposed to have some awareness is that if the eff- effect and the consequences of it is such that it actually makes a difference in your lives, then the flight is okay. If it doesn't, and you, you go on in the, in, in the same old way, then one's actually contributed far more to the problem than to the cure. It actually rests in your hands. Not that that might, might inspire you, I don't think, for a moment. <laughs> but I'm just telling you a fact. So sometimes there's the intention, there's the intention in the movement, and the movement is going from A to B. But that movement of going from A to B also shows itself in the form of the car. And uh, there's incredible uh, worship uh, of the car as the symbol of success, the symbol of whatever, completely forgetting that uh, a car is merely um, a lump of tin slapped on four wheels, which one climbs in to go to from A to B. But it, it, it ends up with far more association uh, with, with, with than all of that. And I can recall last year when uh, Shadra and I arrived at San Francisco Airport, I couldn't make it out what all these large metal boxes, bigger uh, than I could uh, recall, taller than I recall, wider than I recall, and, I, and there's only one person in them. And I thought there were buses. 
and uh, Charter informed me that these are called uh, SUVs. And I read that petrol consumption in this country and in Europe, where some popularity with them, has gone up 25%, and the report said, uh, in part, and a significant part, due to these kind of vehicles and the kind of gas-guzzling vehicles uh, that, they, that they are. And there's some kind of satisfaction or pride or conceit or whatever it is in driving these things. It's a little ego massage or whatever it might be. So I, when I got to uh, Spirit Rock, the great centre of awareness on the West Coast, there were several of these SUVs there and, and I was given the Monday evening talk. So I uh, felt uh, duty-bound, <laughs> compassionately, to make some reference to these SUVs. That they block people's view who is behind them, that they, yeah, that they generate the pollution, that their very size, that there seems to be quite uh, un unnecessary and unsatisfactory, and rename them, rename them as simply useless vehicles. <laughs> Immediately after, a woman came up to me, she was in tears, and she said to me, Christopher, never been to Spirit Rock and haven't uh, listened to you speak before, but I'm really do appreciate what you said. And she said the reason was that a few months ago, my husband and I were uh, driving uh, along the road and my husband just clipped the side of the, of the road and we were in our SUV, it turned over, it crashed, and, and the force, as it turned over on its side, which she said, I'm sure it would never have done if we had been in our other car turned over at its side, and my husband was killed beside me. I was lying there with a broken arm, and we were trapped and couldn't get out. And she said, I feel so concerned about these, uh, these kind of vehicles. And the question that she asked was, do you think you know, I should try and do anything, contact my senator, write to the uh, newspapers? There was a program, she said, uh, on 60 Minutes about them, etc. And I said, nobody on this earth has greater authority to speak about such vehicles than you have. You must speak about them, you must write about them, you must make your, your voice concern, your voice of concern heard else, elsewhere. And I, and I uh, uh, use it as one small uh, example from a Dharma standpoint, there's the intention. And it might be quite different, of course, where there's a large family, lots of kids and uh, dogs, etc., etc. But often it's not that. Well, it isn't. And in that intention, as with other things, Dharma uh, practice is an interdependent practice. It is an interconnected practice that is an unmistakable feature of the teaching. So that anything that you and I, in terms of action and activity, one is going from A, A to B, needs our thoughtfulness, it needs our reflection, and it needs our looking and concern and saying, well, how is that in my life, in my case? You know, am I just um, um, like the rest, neurotically caught up in needing to have a new vehicle every year or every two or three years, when one can last seven or eight years because they're reasonably reliable? Am I really concerned with awareness and real mindfulness? And if I am, as a human being, then I am willing to say no. I am willing to say I will do without. 
I am willing to say I will make things last because if I don't say it, nobody will say it and the earth will gradually get destroyed. It's all about compassion and awareness and sensitivity and it's got to start where we are. <coughs> no objection, if I may, I don't want to go on about this. Actually, I do. But um, people object to people buying new cars, I think. It's fine to buy a new car. But once a decade would be enough. Once in seven or eight years would be quite enough. So that one really is putting that message out and putting it out loudly and, and, and clearly and as sensitively as possible. Another area in terms of uh, uh, activity and action, and it's another one which affects our lives considerably, and that is, in, that is in the area of production. When we think of production, again, we think of our inner life and what goes on with the inner life and what we are producing. And, of course, we have the material world that's in a tremendous amount of uh, producing, and to some degree... Values, people's values, and it's, it, it's radical to stand up to this and say, I'm not going to buy it, I'm not going to buy into all, all of this, to radical in the sense of the capacity, and it's one of the great capacities of a human being, and that is the ability to say no, to being a prisoner to a form of existence which emphasizes again and again producing and consuming keeps emphasizing this and how numbers of human beings, countless numbers of human beings, measure one's self-worth by what one is producing and by what one is consuming. And then the self, the I, the me, the my, latches onto that. It attaches onto to all of that. And if we have, we're a success, and if we don't have, we're not. And with it, of course, goes the dreadful comparing that goes on, this wretched celebrity culture and this uh, desire for more and more and, and the mind gets imprisoned in it and so human beings keep looking around and instead of contentment with what is, which is what Dharma teachings encourage us, instead of saying there is and realizing peace of mind with what is, we're never satisfied, never and the damned industries that are around, the whole intention is to breed dissatisfaction. Look at the advertising industry. Where is the, the strength of mind going to come from? Where is the samadhi, the stability of being going to come from that we know we're not fixed in it? We're genuinely content with what is, and we're not just driving ourselves towards more and more through production through being on the make. Extraordinary thing to stand up to it and to know in the depth of one's being one isn't living like that and the, and the only way that one knows that one isn't living like that is that one is at peace with oneself. That's the way that you know. That's how you know. If you're at peace with yourself and peace in your, in your inner life, you know you're not caught up in the forces of producing and consuming as some kind of proof of the worthiness of the self. It isn't, it isn't, it's a hopeless thing. Last, I think Friday, there was a little, what do you call it, glitch, blip, blop, whatever, on the stock exchange I uh, heard as I was leaning over somebody's shoulder reading their newspaper on one of these flights. And uh, 
or, or a crash or whatever, whatever they called it. Oh, I felt so sad. <laughs> and, and sometimes, how much investment? Why? Because the, the world of the finance is regarded narrowly and exclusively as the means. So when people have uh, their money in these things, which is, which is fine, ethically invested, I hope, that when one has these monies in these areas, does one has oneself in it as well? And if one has oneself in it, what's the, what the hell does it show itself? It shows itself as fear. That's what the self is. It's put it, puts it in there, and of course the fear then, then gets a, resurrected. So we come on to retreat, and we think, oh, I'll just come and retreat, have a few days away from the material world, have a quiet few days, uh, uh, etc., and do a little um, meditation, sky above, earth below, and escape from the family. <laughs> and for some, that might well be the motivation and intention. But the intention, in fact, is to contribute to enlightening our life. If one is sincere about that and genuinely interested and committed uh, uh, to that, it can't be selective. We can't say to ourselves, oh, I'll enlighten my life that those where I've got a little bit of stress and worry and I'll try and get rid of that so I can just carry on in the same old silly way without the stress and worry. No, no, not a chance. Life is interconnected. And therefore, in bringing our awareness to situations, it, that means that bringing that awareness uh, to it does require, and there is an urgency and an importance to it, to actually looking at our, our relationship to what's going on around us and how we are with it. Um, yeah, uh, right, I think uh, uh, yesterday, and I think sometimes the... Uh, uh, religious minders can be quite helpful and important. And uh, yesterday was, uh, was Shabbat, it was also Passover uh, as well. And one of the uh, uh, traditions uh, within the Jewish tradition is not travelling uh, on such a day. And I know when I go to teach in uh, uh, Israel, you know, many, many people still observe that. Some of my Dharma friends, Stephen, Stephen Fulda, who's uh, Israeli and uh, teaches with me, uh, observes it as, as others. And I think sometimes those reminders, such as uh, that one, is a very, very important one. And I'd encourage you out of the Jewish, or sometimes here referred to as the Buish community, to uh, um, just reflect on ways and means, such as that particular one and others, can just help us to be a little bit more clear, practice a little bit more renunciation, a little bit more letting go as a genuine gesture in, in our life to bringing more awareness. And then we pay respect to ourselves and we pay respect to the planet that we have. And yesterday uh, uh, too, it was also um, Earth Day. April the 22nd is Earth Day and I noticed in the staff dining room the cover of the uh, magazine is on latest information um, on Time, Time magazine um, about uh, uh, Earth Day, and, and such days are helpful and uh, important as well, again, just to remind us that we live on this Earth. It's our home, and our home is not so much where our, where what our particular locality has a place, not even so much where our heart is, actually, our home is where our feet are. 
wherever we have our feet, let us feel really at home uh, with, with, uh, with that. And uh, the, the other, one of the compensations, if I may say, for not arriving here uh, yesterday evening is that for the last uh, decade or two, having that I come to uh, IMS, um, usually around the same period of April uh, uh, every year, so it's not unusual to actually be here um, uh, on, on one of the more instantly forgettable days of the year, which was yesterday in terms of it actually being my birthday. And on a few occasions, uh, um, arrived here and somebody has said, oh, it's Christopher's birthday. And I, I remember, I think, was it last, was it last year? Or the year before? Anyway, it's in this somewhere, this millenn last millennium. And I'm sitting here giving an evening uh, talk, and in comes this birthday cake with all these candles which I'm expected to blow out. And after, after blowing them out, I thought I should be on the life support machine. It was this, uh, um, etc. So sometimes we look at our situation, the passage of days, the passage of years, the passage of our life, and Every uh, moment gives us a genuine and real opportunity to really take a sec second look, not just go along with the status quo, not just go along with things because everybody else is uh, going along with them. And that's one of the important things, and I think perhaps one of the imperatives, in fact, of being in a situation like this, that it does give us the opportunity to say, what matters? What really matters? And... It's the quality of my life, to the best of one's ability, really some uh, reflection of all of that and a, a commitment to all of that. So one area of uh, action is A to B. Another area of uh, uh, actions and which they're involved in is in terms of production. A third area is, of course, a little bit the same, of modification. And that mean, meaning modification... I know in uh, Britain, I don't know how it, how it, how it is here, that um, the most um, popular hobby in Britain is DIY. I don't know if you call it DIY. Do it yourself. And uh, so people spend a lot of uh, time in uh, Britain in their homes or in their uh, gardens and in uh, other, other activities. Important and useful and helpful in terms of making changes and making modifications to what is already, and each time one, perhaps in one's home, or just those of you who've been to the centre here, you will have seen, um, whole, I just saw for the first time, a whole new set of plates and cutlery uh, here. So we can say, well, this is a change, it's a modification of, of, of uh, what was. And I'm sure the previous colours were quite okay, but however, the staff in its wisdom has uh, decided this uniformity. And, and the, these things, sometimes, for all of us, in all, all, all of this, it's, okay, there is changes. What's, what, I don't know yet, but what happened to the old? Did, did they go and bury it, or did they <laughs> pass it on to some... What, what, do we do, what do we do with what we have no need for? Are we willing to take a real look at our life and see, well, what is it I don't have need for? My dear mother, just had her 80th birthday, just bought a book called The Feng Shui of Getting Rid of Clutter. And if you've been in my mother's home, you'd know exactly why she bought the book. And one can buy all these lovely books which are available, etc. 
But there is that outer clutter. We modify this and modify that. And we might spend a great deal of time doing it. But what about the clutter in our mind? So sometimes in the outer circumstances, making modifications there can be appropriate and and useful. And then that comes, in fact, to the fourth uh, area of activity. Fourth area of action in life, and that is the, the action for development. The action for development is an action. It is an activity. Sometimes, and some of you are engaged in, and very beautifully so, with the development and action for the welfare of others, to help other human beings to develop. We can help them develop through mind-body work. We help them to develop in terms of ways of being in the world. We help them to develop to come out of greed, hate and delusion. We help them to develop to come out of their suffering, past and present. We help them to develop to come out of their poverty. We help them to develop to live in a, an environment which is safe, land, water and air. Here, here, there, all of that matters a great deal. But there's also, of course, working on oneself. And that inner development. And human beings as people on, on this earth, that needs time, care and attention. And to mirror and to reflect a little bit of to put these things into perspective a little, a little bit, just, you just, ref, just think and just reflect how much time you have given to study in your life. We live in a culture which is mad about information. Now we've got a whole new channel for it called uh, Internet and uh, so forth. The amount of information, words which are available. And all of us must be, in comparison, Appallingly ignorant. Given that anything that you and I know about, it's not even oh 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 one percent about what's available about it. So all this tremendous amount of information which is available, huge production of it uh, going on, tremendous amount of interest in it. And I'm just saying, just think about the amount of time you've put into it. Just how many of you have said the mantra, I'm going back to school? How many people have you in, in, in school, college and university, etc., etc.? What would it be like if you'd put that amount of time into spiritual practice? What, what would it be like if you put that amount of time into exposure to teachings and practices and true contemplative life? What if you put all that amount of time into really looking to every area of your inner life which is the only means you and I have to look at this world. How many people would be enlightened then? How many people would really be awake? How many people then would really be living a transformed life? How is it that we do it for so much else? Years and years and years of travelling, years and years and years of production and consuming, years and years and years of modification. But when it comes to deep inner development, it gets the least amount of time the result is what we've got. A lot of sorrow, a lot of sadness, a lot of despair, a lot of anger, a lot of greed, a lot of uh, violence. Because the time which is needed, the quality of care and attention to the inner life, is simply is not given, even though it's the only instrument, instrument that we have to look at this world. It's called the mind, it's called the heart, it's called the inner life, it's called the personality, it's, it's called the being means that we have is least attended to. It's a, it's a tragedy. 
And that's what, that's what we get in result in the corporate world and these uh, political leaders. What can we expect? So we have, and it's a great credit to people here, to all of you, come into a situation, spend time here, maybe opportunity, may come quite naturally if it's necessary and if it's appropriate to look at these areas of uh, uh, right action in life, to see how we can skillfully attend uh, to them and to put every single moment to the max into the uh, inner life because the uh, inner life is our means to know the outer life. We've got no other means. In the first day, finally, in the first day of coming uh, into the uh, uh, situation uh, here and giving one's uh, uh, time here, of course it's not an easy uh, thing in, in uh, any way. One feels for those of you who are uh, very uh, new to uh, uh, all of this, and it really is quite a strong demand that is made, in fact, on, on, on the body. And, of course, with the timetable as well. And um, wisely and appropriately, retreat centres never put out, at least to my knowledge, the timetable for a retreat in the programme. Because if, if they did, probably Sally Shadra and I would be talking to ourselves. So it's when people have... Um, paid their deposit and registered and put their um, money in and put their bags away, then the timetable goes on the board and say, right, we've got you. <laughs> so, so, and yet people say to themselves beforehand, or if you've told other people, oh, God, I could never do that. I spend the whole week, eight days in silence, doing six, seven, eight meditations uh, a day, w walking, eating slowly, etc., etc., just totally out of my scope. People find, as you may have found today, that though it may have been positively the longest day of your entire existence and <laughs> the nearest taste to eternity that you've had, that, <laughs> and you don't like it, <laughs> but nevertheless, and stay steady with the process, uh, the process of things, and in that staying steady, a little bit less on the human doing, a little bit more on the human being. A little bit more, hopefully, of Homo sapiens and a little bit less of Homo ignoramus. So, we come, in the willingness to come back and step back, we're actually doing something very important for ourselves. We're actually stepping back to get back to where things start from. That's what we're doing. We're getting back to where things actually start be and begin from. That, that means from our inner life uh, and the way that we look out to ourselves and to existence from the inner. So actually to step back and come back and come back to the moment, we actually we keep coming back to what? To ourselves. We keep coming back to what's going on with us. We keep coming back to what the condition is. And to keep doing that and the very willingness to do that is what's called development. Human beings de develop this way. It might be that in that coming back, what one keeps coming back uh, uh, back to isn't very um, uh, very much appreciated. One would rather come back to something deeper. One's heard all these words I mentioned this morning to you, and what one keeps coming back to is to one's stuff. Never mind. If that's what you come back to when you come back to the moment, that's it. That's what's going on. That's that's how it is. And sometimes the consciousness that means what we are conscious of. That's what consciousness is. 
what we are conscious uh, of, the content, that which, which is coming to consciousness, we think, well, that's all that my retreat is about. Please do not be so egotistical. That we tend to think what we expose to, what you have been exposed to during today, all, the, all that's gone on for you, all that's gone on for us during today, that's what my day consists of. No, 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 it's not the case. What's been going on today includes what I've been conscious of. It includes what I've uh, been exposed to, what I've had contact with. But the actuality is one hell of a lot more is going on than just that. And we don't know it. That's all. And that's why so many people report, which is rather sweet and uh, lovely to uh, hear so uh, uh, regularly, when people say, I came on a, on a retreat, I, um, uh, I never was conscious of one single in and out breath, though I... Uh, um, <laughs> Tried it. I have no idea what mindfulness of breathing is uh, uh, all, all about, and, and this is only my 27th retreat. And yet, it's made all a, and people will say, quote unquote, a profound difference to my life. So, even though, as I say, when, when what's one's experiencing, that i.e. the content coming to the consciousness, may not be what one would like, may not be what one would imagine, and one would, wants to only have something, just one moment called deep. Just one moment so I can go home and tell the neighbours I had a deep experience. <laughs> <laughs> and that may or may not happen during the time here, but nevertheless, what is taking place is far more than what's just knowable. And sometimes what is taking place and what's sometimes more significant, we don't get access to, and the access comes later. A lot of trust in these processes, in the silence. Uh, a lot of faith is needed. A lot of quiet perseverance and diligence is needed. So plenty of people report. Absolutely nothing took place during this retreat. It was totally, inf totally forgettable, just as forgettable as Christopher's birthday. And right afterwards... That's not a hint, that's, I mean it. <laughs> and right, and time later, something has registered very deeply. There's a real support to one's whole existence. Things do not work to plan. So let us give as much care as we can to our sitting, to our walking, to our standing, to our reclining, to our eating, to our listening, to our day. Let's give as much care and support to our presence, to the moment of life. Let's really maximize that, if it's appropriate at time, that one has to really have that diligence for the welfare and the development of oneself and the earth to be able to say no with the capital letters to the force of desire in some of the ways that I spoke to you about this evening. And please find the authority in yourself. You know it's important to say no to that force of desire force of wanting to be able to say no to it. And the meditation will help to give each and every person that little bit of initiative and that little bit of determination and power to be able to say no because of one's great respect for life. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings see into the field of action.
May all beings live with wisdom. We'll just have a couple of quiet minutes together, shall we please? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.